your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight, not as clumsy or random as a blaster, an elegant weapon for a more civilized, faking Star Wars radio. That's right, it's another explosive edition of Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. Today, we will discuss Star Wars weaponry and technology across the galaxy. We also have a duel of the fakes, some listener mail, the triumphant return of the Fake-A-Meter, where we'll get some great insight into Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, and a few other surprises, so stay tuned. Also, don't forget to add us on Twitter. You can find me at StormDuper or the regular Twitter handle for the site at FakingStarWars. You can also find us on Instagram at FakingStarWars. Like us and subscribe on Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform of choice. My name is StormDuper, and joining me today is my co-host, Teeb. Hey, Teeb, how's it going? Are you packing heat today? You know, it's hot here, so I'm always packing heat, but yes, I am always strapped. I always have a blaster at my side or, you know, wherever I can fit it, pretty much. Uh, so where's your favorite spot to conceal a blaster? Uh, one of my favorite meat pockets would have to be, uh, can I say my bum hole? Ooh, wow. That's a very, uh, you have to be really committed to the cause to do that. Um, I typically keep mine in my pockets, but sometimes it gets all messy with the pizza rolls and things that I keep in there. So I usually have to keep a list of things in my pocket first before I decide to shove a blaster in there. So I remember. Well, I did have an encounter with a Rodian one time, and I told him that I was reaching for some Preparation H, and then, you know, yeah, I shot first. Let's put it that way. Oh, dear. Oh, and you know, that stuff is toxic to Rodian skin, so actually that's probably did more painful damage to him than a blaster would have anyway. I believe that is actually the base for Bosk's uh, Dialis uh, spray. Oh, really? Oh, excellent. Wow. Well, um, in any case, if you are packing heat, we do recommend that you follow the galactic rules for arm armor uh, and weaponry. But uh, we'll get into that maybe a little later on the podcast. We have a special treat for our listeners today. Uh, we have Darth Eckham, who comes to us today from uh, Channel Star Wars. Is that right? Yes, it is. Excellent. Well, you've been a friend of the podcast and the site for quite a while, and you've even uh, helped us you know, with some editing and production work with the podcast, which we really appreciate. And uh, I look forward to long correspondence and collaboration with you in the future. But today you've come to us uh, because you've done a little kind of reconnaissance on a, uh, a book that's recently come out. Would you tell us about the this book? Yeah, it's the Star Wars TIE Fighter Owner's Workshop Manual by Inside Editions and a company called Haynes. Excellent. Now, I'm I'm familiar with the idea of these um, these manuals coming out, but uh, I've never actually looked at one. So, give us the highlights. Well, um, it's pretty detailed, and that's something Haynes is known for. Um, that's that's one of the weirdest things about this book. When I first got it in my hands, I used to work on cars. And Haynes was an automotive manual for garages. And to see this Haynes logo just takes me back to the 90s. So they're um, basically using the technical knowledge that they have to try to create a manual for people who might want to work on TIE Fighters in the future. Is that it? Yeah, for, for things that only exist in plastic. Wow, interesting. Huh. Yeah, it's um it's a pretty cool book, very detailed. Um it tells you all kinds it breaks down like the tie fighter wings, like all inside the panels of the wings. It um 
it's it it goes from you know the the empire days all the way to the first order uh, and the uh the the time before that you oh, know the wow. prequel series like uh Darth Maul's ship is in here the uh infiltrator sure oh that's one of my favorites absolutely I think Doug um, Chang uh, spent a lot of time developing that, so it would have some continuity with the uh, original trilogy. Yeah, it it looks really good. I mean, the the pictures in this book and the detail. I mean, it's it's it starts out like from Cnar uh, fleet systems or flight systems, and I mean, it, they they treat it like it's real and legit. Like I can open this up, and now I know how to fix. This Tie Fighter, I can fix the weapon system. You know, I can I can fix the, the this stuff. I mean, it's it's a really cool book. I love stuff like this, especially when you throw on a familiar name like Haynes. Sure. So so this sounds like this might be uh, something that would would end up becoming like a series of books. I mean, there's there's more to Star Wars vehicles and, and weaponry than just the Tie Fighters, but that's a great way to start. Do you expect them to come out with any other titles in the future? Well, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I did see an image of one for the Millennium Falcon. Now, I'm not sure if that is one that's coming out or if that is one that's already come out. I don't know. But I know they do have an X-Wing one coming out, too. Okay, so it's sort of they started with the uh, the evil uh, ships, and now they're going to make the, the good ships, basically. Yeah, uh, they must be. Huh, cool. Uh, I, I'm. I'm. Re- when I first got this and opened it up, I was pretty stoked. So, pretty so Darth Eckham, nice I know that book. you have a burgeoning career already. Uh, you know, as a Star Wars contributor across the internet. But is this going to change your career path a little bit now that you can uh, make money as a Tie Fighter uh, mechanic? No, I used to work on cars. I've had enough of that grease monkey stuff. I see. I see. <laughs> it's just a culture that once you get out of, you don't want to go back to. I suppose, huh? Yeah, your hands are dirty forever. So what would you say is like the Cadillac or or you know the Mustang of tie fighters for you? Like if you could have one tie fighter parked outside in your driveway, which one would it be and why? It would be Darth Vader's. Oh, because, the the, uh, um, the shuttle from uh, A New Hope. Well, yeah, I'll take the Tidarian. That one? Oh, okay. Now that's the one that he actually was more of a cargo <sighs> vessel, I guess, right? The Tidarian no, shuttle? I, I I'm talking about Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. Okay, the one with kind of the curved wing panels. Yeah, the with the with the long and long wings instead of the tall wings. I see. Okay. Yeah, and 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 the only reason I would want that is because Darth Vader. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, Darth, it's been wonderful having you on. Um, thank you very much, and I look forward to having you back um, in the future. Maybe you can bring, uh, when the Rebels uh, version comes out, maybe you can come in and tell us about that book. Yes, uh, I'd love to, man. I love this I Where love can this people stuff. find you if they're interested in talking to you more about this? Um, you can find me at From the Monkey on Twitter and uh, at Channel Star Wars. Great. That's From the Monkey, correct? From the Monkey? Yes. Okay, I assume Correct. that relates Correct. to Monkey Wrench from being a mechanic. No, that it's a whole basement thing at my house. Well, we we called our our house or we called our basement the Monkey Basement. Okay, now you're not storing yeah. monkeys in your basement. We we uh, faking Star Wars store Russian trolls in our basement and feed them on warm <laughs> gin and hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a little like uh, Harry Potter's door under the stairs oh cool. that's where we that's where we store our monkeys <laughs> all yeah. right darth well thank you very much for being on and we'll talk to you soon okay all right man thanks storm do all
Uh, yes. It's time once again for Kathleen Kennedy's favorite home game. That would have to be Star Wars Monopoly with Rey? No. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Cards Against Humanity for her? No. Her f- other favorite home game, Teeb. Uh, Donald Trump's The Apprentice board game? Remind me to fire you later. It's time to play Duel of the Fakes, of course. Oh, right. You should have just said so. You should have played the music. <laughs> well, tell the people at home how it works, Teeb. Okay, so Duper is going to read off three Star Wars news stories that should all be fake, but one of them is just pretending to be fake. That's right. Teeb has to figure out which one of the tall tales is actually true. And a warning, I'm actually a professional faker, so don't try this at home. So, Duper, how's my Duel of the Fakes record compared to uh, IG-69s? Um, you know, IG is doing terribly this season, uh, so I think this may be your chance to pull ahead. Say no more. Hold my blue milk. Okay. Uh, well, this edition of Duel of the Fakes is all about David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Can you guess why it's themed around them? I haven't got a, a, a clue. Well, uh, there's a little-known show called, uh, is it Thrame of Gones? I think it's called Thrame of Gones. Uh, and they were heavily involved with that, and they're also going to be involved in the next 10 years of Star Wars, beginning with a new film in 2022. Great, so they can destroy the ending of uh, Star Wars as well. That's right. That's what a lot of people are hoping for. That way, the people at Change.org will have uh, a lot of new fake petitions to put out there. I think we need to have a conversation about why writers are afraid to use their first names. So we have D.B. Weiss, George R.R. R. Martin. You know, yeah. I guess George is his first name, but what the hell is R.R.? I mean, it just 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 be George Martin or I don't know. It's or like J.K.R.X.Y.Z. Rowling. Yeah. Stephen yeah. King is Stephen King because he's awesome. He doesn't have to hide behind false, you know, avatars. Yeah, I mean, gosh, far be it for me to criticize anybody for hiding behind a uh, a fake facsimile of their real self. You are one hundred percent Storm Duper, and I am one hundred percent Teeb. And That's anybody right. who says otherwise and is I have a liar. The birth certificate liar. to prove it. Uh, well, I'm still waiting on mine. <laughs> Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's that's D. That's uh, David Benioff and D. B. Weiss. What a name! You think it's David Weiss, and he just doesn't want to be David? Another the two Davids, the two Daves. Hey, Daves. Hey, Daves. Get over here. Hey, look. There's a water bottle over there. Oh no, no, don't worry about that. Oh, hey, there's a Starbucks cup over here. Yeah. Hey, don't worry about that. Oh, hey, uh, Dragon's is going to carry somebody off into the sunset for no apparent reason. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what kind of a name D. B. is for a grown man. I'm not sure what his parents were thinking, but um, are you ready to go, T. B. <laughs> Here we go. Anything Um, to get my mind out of this, yes. Yes. So because of not one but two controversial petitions involving uh, Benioff and Weiss, Change.org recently announced a change in their terms of service, that pesky TOS that you always have to agree to. Beginning in 2020, the company will be vetting all petitions to ensure that they are in no way frivolous and or harmful to content creators before approving them to appear on their website. Citing a string of some high-profile petitions, including the campaign to reshoot the final season of Game of of Thrones without Benioff and Weiss, and the petition to remove Benioff and Weiss from their upcoming Star Wars film, the company seeks to rid itself of all toxic elements. So I guess these two are involved in two troll, like, internet hate, whatever, uh, campaigns right now, which is amazing. So CES, I mean, that takes talent. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is very difficult to annoy the uh, the Twitter uh, haters. I mean, I, I have found it very difficult. I've been trying for years, and I've still yet to succeed in that endeavor. So, They might actually be unifying people because the left and the right hate them equally. There you go. Hey, I like it. Maybe they have a presidential uh, candidacy in, in their midst as well. So CEO of uh, Change.org, Ben Rattray, what a name, said, Moving forward... Change.org will provide a platform for petitions that help make the world a better place. So we will no longer enable people to abuse it simply to complain to IP holders because a movie or show did not play out the way they had hoped. Okay. So hopefully there's nobody out there right now working on a Change.org petition to remake this episode of the podcast while they're listening to it. God, I hope not. (laughs) All right. Well, the second one, uh, this pair uh, of self-described American Jew writers actually met on the Emerald Isle back in 1995. Benioff and Weiss fast became buddies at Trinity College in Dublin, where both studied Irish literature. Years later, the writer partners and Jim buddies would return to Ireland together to film Game of Thrones. Okay. So I heard you were actually there in 98 yourself studying the Blarney Stone, Teeb. Is that right? Yes. uh, It does actually take three licks to get to the center of a leprechaun's soul. Is that right? Well, I I wish it had helped you a little bit in your gift of gab. You really haven't improved since 98. Um, It took you that long just to to get to uh, amateur status where we'd even agree to have you on the podcast. But you may have to go back for another trip. Uh, Anytime. And here's the third story, which may be fake or may be true, true. As a power couple in Hollywood, Benioff and Weiss's star has been on the rise for the last few years. But up until recently, only David Benioff was also part of a power couple on the domestic and romantic front, being happily married to actress Amanda Peet since 2006. Recently, however, Benioff's office husband, (laughs) D.B. Weiss, also took a famous bride. In late 2018, Weiss tied the knot to actress Lake Bell in a private ceremony at his Malibu estate. The foursome often joke about how eerily similar their brides, Pete and Belle, are in appearance. Yeah, I always get those two confused myself, so I hope those guys don't get confused because that could be really awkward at Thanksgiving. Yeah, that is really creepy if it's true. <laughs> so let's recap. Like, uh, We've got, hold uh, the stuffing, you know what I mean? Hold the stuffing. Yes, ah, exactly. Hold the stuffing. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Um. So we've got the first story here about the change.org changing their vetting process in 2020 to prevent Mm -hmm. frivolous campaigns uh, Mm -hmm. because of the Game of Thrones whiplash. We've got Benioff and Weiss meeting in Ireland in 95 since they were the only American Jews studying at Trinity College at the time. Or D.B. Weiss recently getting hitched to actress Lake Bell. Do you have an inkling, Teeb? I want you to eliminate one. Yeah. Because I'm, I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking, obviously, but I want you to eliminate one if I can if I can be that cheesy and sad because it's been a while since I've done these. Okay. Well, um, would you like to make your choice before I do that? No, because then you're going to know which one I'm thinking. No, I. you mean, oh, like which which one I'd like you to eliminate? Well, I mean, you get, you get a choice, and then from the two that you don't choose, I'll, I'll uh, scratch one of those. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you can change your choice be, if you want. You know, know it's like be, Monty Hall. I didn't know there was going to be algebra. I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> lost. I've been at work all day on technical support with Kylo Ren and people that are yelling at me all day. <laughs> Just make your choice, and then I'll make it easier for you after that. Just choose one? Yeah. Okay, the Trinity College. The Trinity College thing. Okay. Well, I am going to tell you that we are going to eliminate the first option about change.org being uh, the true one. So that is a fake story, um, and it came out of Willy Bobo's nether regions. It's completely fabricated. Um, so you don't have to worry about that one. So that leaves you with uh, B and C, so meeting, the two Jews meeting in Ireland, uh, studying literature, or the recent engagement, or sorry, recent, recent matrimony to Lake Bell for D.B. Weiss. Do you want to change or do you want to stay? I'm going to... I'm not going to change.org, so I'm going to stay. All right. Oh, wait, okay, no, well, wait, congratulations. Me, I... You oh, hit a oh, home good. run on this duel of the fakes. <laughs> that last story is fake. Uh, D.B. Weiss has been married to writer Andrea Troyer for many years. The couple actually have two children together, and Troyer and Pete are very good friends. They've written a kid's book together. So, Is that any relation to Vern Troyer? Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you. I'm not really up on my uh my uh, Game of Thrones writer uh, trivia. This is something that um, you know. Just for this episode, I dipped in here just just the toe into into their uh, backstories. So I'd have to look a little deeper on that. I almost I almost pulled a Benny off and Weiss. I almost uh, snatched the, uh, the 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 victory from the jaws of defeat. The the jaw the. the the defeat from the jaws, jaws of, victory. of victory yes yes i've I not know. been drinking tonight ladies and gentlemen i know i think i think you were about to change there but no actually um so the this is a true story uh they were obsessed already with irish literature um i guess at the time of uh meeting and so they were just a generally a good fit for the game of thrones uh you know uh uh, uh, property. Um, they spent a year there in 95 and Weiss actually himself earned a master of philosophy, uh, writing his thesis on the topic of James Joyce's famous work, Finnegan's wake. Wow. What so, a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah. So they said that it was just a happy, uh, coincidence that HBO was filmed, um, where they met and they, they said we came full circle and ended up staying there for 10 years. Um, have you, have you been to Ireland recently? I did. I went to both uh, Belfast and to Dublin and I cried at every, every location of Game of Thrones because I knew what was coming. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I have actually been there too, but it was before Game of Thrones was even uh, just a fetus in the mind of um, of uh, uh, oh, what's his Martin. name? Martin. George R. 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 Martin. Yeah, George R. 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 Martin. Um, <laughs> that but, guy. You know, I may return this summer, and and when I do, I will follow the trail of tears that you left, um, and try to collect one uh, for every site into a jar and bring it back. It's a souvenir. It's a good idea. They're they're very salty. Mine are the saltiest tears. Are they? They're oh, red. you've been drinking too much bantha milk. I've heard that uh, can up the salt content. So, yeah. hopefully, it's just the tears and no other uh, secretions. I wouldn't do that to you, man. Yeah, not even Thanks. in the past. Before great, I even great, knew yeah. you existed. I don't want to. I don't want to be collecting any other effluvia from Teeb. At least not until you've been properly tested. I've told you to stop using words. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> great, great.
visit Moss Eisley. A beach-like town with plenty of sand and sunshine. Easy to get to shopping and dining, and a very exciting nightlife. Exotic beings with questionable motives. Also, Moss Eisley features the largest black market district in the region, with transportation in and out of the region day or night, anytime for the right price. Caution is advised. Visit Moss Eisley. You'll never find a more friendly hive of beauty and tranquility. Well, Teeb, on the last uh, Change.org um, petition I read, people were trying to shut down Faking Star Wars for being a nepotistic, uh, profit-geared um, you know, tool of the dark side, and people were really concerned that we didn't uh, have enough civil service. And uh, so in response to that, we're bringing back the Fake-A-Meter, which uh, gives fans the, the knowledge uh, that they can trust whether leaks are true or fake. That seems like a, a kind thing that we're doing, considering the backlash that we've gotten. Look, it's a very expensive process. The fake meter is made with some proprietary secret technologies that are very expensive to license, um, and the maintenance on the machine is quite extensive. So um, we've got it up and running again, and we're going to take this new leak that we've received and run it through and see what we get. Um, so this is uh, coming to us from Spoiler Man, who has a uh, you know very notorious for hitting uh, all kinds of Star Wars leaks. This is about the movie The Rise of Skywalker. Um, you can find this full article, by the way, on FakingStarWars.net from a couple of weeks ago. But uh, we haven't really discussed this, so um, if you don't want any spoilers, you might want to you might want to uh, put this on mute for the next few minutes. Um, so, so basically, the uh, the entire plot of Rise of Skywalker is about finding something to stop the First Order. Um, not clear exactly what this is, but it has something to do with some knowledge or idea that Ray claims to have gotten from Luke. Um, and it's sort of like a MacGuffin, you know, they have to go on this journey. And the entire crew bounce around from planet to planet trying to find this thing. Uh, there's fights with pirates, aliens, the Knights of Ren, the First Order, all kinds of stuff. Um, but in the end, that actually doesn't seem to matter. It's really just the journey. And so it's a bit like the film Goonies, which I know you're a huge fan of. I'm a giant fan of Goonies, yes. Cool. So basically, the MacGuffin in this case is not this super weapon uh, that Ray initially thinks it is, but you know, actually, it's this knowledge that she got salvaging junk on Jakku. It's uh, related to this code, um, something relating to a Republic Holonet system, and something connected to the Death Star's antenna and also C-3PO. So um, it's pretty interesting uh, mixing in all these different elements of of the Star Wars. Uh, you know, uh, saga. Um, there is no, uh, you know, a surprise that there's a typical big space battle and a final showdown with Kylo Ren. It all kind of follows what you would expect. Um, unfortunately for big Sheev Palpatine fans, um, this is really, uh, there's really just a kind of um, a hologram recording of Sheev that is uh, kind of uh, shown to be the thing that motivated Kylo uh, to fall from the beginning into the dark side. So uh, it's not like he's going to play a, a very extensive role in the entire film, unfortunately. Well, it sounds to me like this is not so much a J.J. Abrams story as it is a Dave Filoni story. Very possibly they're recycling some of that material from Force Awakens. Um so uh basically this this uh entire 
film is going to be about spreading hope throughout the galaxy um, using the Star Wars story. Uh, and so it has something to do, I guess, with his name and, um, you know, getting his, get his, getting his name out to, to everywhere to give everybody hope. So that sounds interesting. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of different things we could riff on there, but, uh, what do you think? I mean, does this sound plausible to you? Uh, to me, it sounds a little light. That would be my first reaction. So they want to spread hope and change throughout the galaxy. I don't think that's going to work. They tried that. Yeah, right. Uh, the the idea of the idea of Ray uh, having this secret knowledge, though, I mean, she doesn't seem like the type of person who who has um, the ability to keep much of a secret. I mean, when she first landed on uh, on um, Octo and and when she was talking to Luke, I mean, she just spilled her guts about why she was there with no nuance or or drama whatsoever. Yeah, she's pretty abrupt and direct and just gets right to the point. She's uh she's kind of one dimensional, if you ask me. Yeah, a lot of people have complained about that. So maybe that is true that they're trying to develop her character a little bit more and give her um, a little bit more provocative choices. As long as she has five force flips over TIE fighters, people will be fine. Sure, sure. All right, well, let's plug this into the fake meter here and see what we get. Um, you know, you, you've, you've promised me that it's going to work this time, right? I mean, we, we are live. We don't want to have any more issues like we did last time where it exploded. <clears throat> well, I can't, you know, I, I do have the specs for it, but they are classified, so I only have okay. certain, um, a certain portion of the specs. Oh, boy. Oh, it seems to be working. It's already started. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we get out of it here. I'm a little bit nervous after what happened. It singed my sh singed my helmet last time. At least it didn't fall on your toe. Yeah. Okay, and the results from the freaking meter is Ariadne or Baby Ruth Love and Mind. Huh. Ah, wow. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think this is uh, pretty far-fetched unless Dave Filoni, like I said, if Dave Filoni wrote this, I would say 100% because this sounds a lot like Rebels to me. Yeah, something he might come up with. Well, he I'm sure he had some input. I mean, because anything they do now is going to show up in future projects. And isn't he involved in even The Mandalorian? I believe he is, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I know he is. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so you never know what they might have conjured up here. Um, but in any case, stay tuned for more leaks and we'll uh, you know, continue our community service. Uh, the judge says we only have three more years left. Uh, by providing the fake meter service to all our great fans across the galaxy. Thank God. Hey, it's Teeb, and you all know and love me and follow me on Twitter, and you know I actually ran a poll this week. Uh, I was asking you to guess which Suave Beauty, that's Suave Kids, Star Wars shampoo that I use, and I said the first person to get it right will win a faking Star Wars t-shirt of their choice. So None is there a deadline on this? Do people What's... have until the the next podcast or it's over. They lost. They they're losers. Oh, so wow, you actually uh threw it out there for the entire Twitter universe and you didn't get any responses at all? Oh, I got responses, but they were all wrong. Wow. Well, what were the choices, I guess? The choices were Galactic Fresh, Wookie Waves, and Coconut Force. Oh, how cute and adorable. So the answer, of course, is all three at the same time. Ah, oh, you have such luxurious locks. You have to you have to soap up each section of your scalp differently, I guess. 
Yes, for the front, I use the Galactic Fresh. For the sides, the waves, I use the Wookie Waves. And then the Coconut Force, I just kind of force that on the top, and I rub it around, and it, it just gets such a nice aroma. Hmm, hmm. Well, so I, I, I have a different shampoo that I use for my Mohawk, but um, the main product that I use is actually a, a patented helmet polish. It does the job. Um, you polish your helmet? I polish my helmet every night. Before I before I go to sleep and I polish it again, the first thing I do when I wake up. You might want to talk to your wife about that. Oh, she helps me polish my helmet sometimes. Ah. It's actually one of her favorite things to do. Sometimes for special occasions, she'll even polish my helmet twice in a day. That's love. Yeah. You know, other times, though, when I want her to polish my helmet, she says she has a headache and she wants me to do it myself. Oh, wax on, wax off, buddy. Yeah. And sometimes if I'm really inspired, I'm looking to try something new, I'll even put on some YouTube videos and I'll watch other people polishing their own helmets. And I uh, I get inspired that way, too. Well, there's different techniques. There are. There are. Left hand, right hand. You can go clockwise, counterclockwise. My helmet's so big that I I have to use two two hands, and it's not enough. Well, I can't, I can't you might cover see a my whole helmet. And, but well, actually, Teeb, you know, um, your your phony survey that didn't really amount to much is just kind of an <laughs> intro. We actually have another survey from Willie Bobo at Faking Star Wars on Twitter, who asked um, the timely question: uh, Who had the most out of character storyline in service of subversion within their respective film or series? Um, and there were only two choices. Uh, First choice, Luke in the sequel trilogy. The second choice, the Khaleesi in Game of Thrones. And we've gotten uh, many, many responses. Uh, which one do you think took the lead here? Give me the three again. Oh, there's only two. Luke in the sequel trilogy and Khaleesi in Game of Thrones. That's it? You only get two? Yeah, it's very limited this time. I guess most other properties don't destroy their character arcs in the service of subversion. I'm going to say Khaleesi. Okay. Well, you're wrong. Uh, that one only got 25% of the votes, and Luke got 75%. So I'm guessing there may be a little bias in terms of people who follow Willy Bobo um, attracting some hate, you know, possibly. Um, but I actually haven't finished watching Game of Thrones yet. I have two more episodes to go, so don't spoil me. Does the Khaleesi finally transition to male? No, she actually becomes a dragon and flies off. Does she? Okay. Well, that was my second... Uh, second speculation about what might happen to her but um i'm i don't think anything can really touch the way luke is treated in the last jedi do you um no because the whole the whole green milk scene and just to me when i saw that film i realized what was happening i realized that we were getting trolled by rian johnson yeah I think Ryan enjoyed doing that, um, and he's continued to do so. I don't know if you saw this recently. Somebody uh, posted something about, um, you know, uh, never killing the villains without backstory, and then he posted a picture of the Emperor falling down the uh, the tube, the shaft in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. He does have a point. I mean, I don't think killing Snoke in Last Jedi was a terrible thing. I think what happened was Disney uh, allowed it to build and build and build, you know, to the point that people had such high expectations and hopes that we were going to find out who Snoke was. Yeah, we do find out a lot about Sheev, though. I mean, in the prequel trilogies, especially, and then yes, but that happened that before, right? I mean, and... uh, the the he was killed, and for all you know, reckoning, he was gone as a character for fourteen years until the Phantom Menace came out and saved or saved Star Wars forever. I might say. I mean. We didn't find out 
anything about Snoke. When Nothing. we first find out about the em- Empire and the Emperor in A New Hope, it is explained that he is, you know, that he's the head of the Galactic Empire. And then in Empire Strikes Back, we learn a little bit more about him. And then in The Return of the Jedi, he meets his demise. But we right. learn more and more about him each time. With Snoke, he's, I, I, I actually thought he was a freaking giant the first time I saw him. I'm like, oh, there's a giant. That's cool. And then I realized it was just a, you know, a hologram or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's a little bit Wizard of Oz, you know. I mean, who's that man behind the curtain? But I, I kind of like that about Snoke. I don't think we need to know more about him. I don't fault Ryan Johnson for killing him off in the Last Jedi. I think that was probably part of the plan to begin with because it really makes space for Kylo Ren uh, in the last episode to to take some really interesting choices as a character. I mean, if Snoke was still around, I mean. Do you really want him to be the main villain pushing the plot? Oh, no, no. In fact, I even said that. I love the fact that he died. I don't love the fact that we didn't find out jack crap about him. Uh. In other words, if I don't know anything about a character on the screen, good, bad, or ugly, when he dies or when he succeeds, I don't care because he's just this plastic person on the screen. I need – even when you're watching a cheesy B-horror movie – you have to identify and connect with some of the characters. And with Snoke, it was just like, here's this weird giant, and then he's in charge of everything. And then, and I mean, he did he did have a... And I liked the, con, the, the confrontation scene where he meets his demise. I liked that. But again, we didn't learn anything about that character. Yeah, yeah. And so I was kind of like, uh, was him getting dissected that important? Or was it just kind of like, I do think it's awesome now that Kylo Ren is in charge, that HMFIC, as we would say. You know, uh, he he doesn't have to answer to anybody, which is going to be very interesting as the reins are off because we've never seen that in the Star Wars universe. There's always been that kind of, uh, you know, uh, leader above the, the Sith underling. And in this case... He's he's gonna be the 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 head bad guy, you know, and and you can tell that uh, Hux is just like <laughs> like when he throws him around the ship, and he's like, yeah, okay, you're in charge. It's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that because now you see him as like the little toady, and like is what he basically always was. But now Kylo's in charge, and the first thing he's gonna do, he's gonna fix that helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, priorities. That's right. You can't buy another one or have another one made. That's that's you know. There must be something about that helmet that's very special to him, speaking of polishing helmets. It's his first one. So, you know, once you polish that helmet, you really can't go to any others. That would be just a little gross, I think. Yeah. Plus, I didn't get that vibe from Kylo as a as a helmet polisher by trade. I, I think he just does it out of necessity. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So. Great. Well, if you'd like to contribute uh, to future tweets, uh, you can get us. I'm at StormDuper. Teeb is at Teeb. Ronter, right? What's your Twitter? Twitter. My uh, Twitter is T E E B R O N T R. Right, with no E. T Ronter with no E, and uh, also Willie Boba there at Faking Star Wars. We'd love to hear from you. Galactic Faking News. Well, T, we have a hot uh, tip right now. One of our um, Galactic Media Analyst has got some audio that uh, they recorded. It seems like Kylo Ren has been out in the galaxy running amok. Apparently his 
lightsaber uh, isn't working very well. Um, and so, yeah, let's listen into the call here and uh, see. I guess he had to call tech support or something about it. Um, do we have to listen to this? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's not many people get the chance to hear Kylo Ren in such distress. Okay. Hello, welcome to Galactic Tech Support. This is Teeb. How can I help you? Hi. I ordered a product from you guys a few months ago, and it's malfunctioning. Ah, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, what product would that be, sir? The DS2000 lightsaber with optional guard blade emitters. Ah, the Intimidator model. What seems to be the problem? The blade beam is all screwed up. I told everyone it's deliberate because it looks badass, but I don't think they're buying it. Right, okay. Well, have you tried actually turning it off and turning it back on? Uh, hold on. Uh, no, it still looks weird. Check the calibration on the field energizer and the flux aperture. Of course I did. I've done that like three times. I'm not an idiot. God. Okay, I'm, I'm just trying to help. So, is there any reduction in the blade's power or is it just a, like a cosmetic problem? Hold on, I'll check. Hey, Stormtrooper, get over here. Yes, sir. No. Seems to cut just fine. Okay, I need to see which model you have. Uh, did you order the original, deluxe, or the special edition saber? Of course I ordered the special edition. It came with an I Love Vader decorative blue milk cozy. Oh, the special editions are known to have problems. Uh, you need to check the overcompensator toggle under the power switch. Okay, what, what am I looking for? Uh, is it toggled to the right or the left? The left. Okay. That's the vibrate setting, so if you turn it to the right, the blade beam should go back to normal. Oh my god, it worked. Hey, stormtroopers, come in, look at my awesome lightsaber. Cards, I'll force choke you later. Well, uh, thank you for calling, and we're always here to help. Right, team. That kind of sounded like you on the call as the tech support guy. Yeah. I mean, I would know I that, that, that lilt anywhere. That You know, Storm Duper, everybody has to pay bills. And this is a thing that I do. I'm working like three jobs just to try to make ends meet in this economy. This galactic economy is terrible right now. Well, you were supposed to be able to make minimum wage here, and, and that was supposed to be enough for you to pay your property taxes and everything, I thought. No, I'm not really getting a living wage from faking Star Wars. That's something I need to talk to Link about, I think, at some point. Where I'm gonna have to sales have, have been up uh, 50% this quarter, though. Well, that was probably because of the amazing idea of the uh, celebration, uh, from what I understand, but still... Just not enough. It's it. I, I can I can barely you know feed my porgs. It's it's getting ridiculous. Oh no! Well, we can't have we can't have porgs going hungry. I I guess I didn't realize how qualified you were, and uh, you know, with your engineering knowledge. Do you yeah. have any credentials? I mean, or is this just stuff you've picked up along the way? Uh, I do have a degree. Really? Where's it from? Um, a lot of people think it's from MIT, but it's actually MTI, 
MTI. I'm not sure I know that university. Yeah, that's the Mustafar Technical Institute, the fourth most prestigious community college on Mustafar. Oh, really? Well, so what exactly is your degree in? I actually have an advanced doctorate in theoretical technologies, and that's why I can operate the fake meter so well. Ah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, we did hear that you were repairing and tinkering with it. I don't know. Before I joined Faking Star Wars, you know, I I, I did have a, a, a more lucrative career in Galactic Tech Support Center, and so I, I'm kind of shocked that you actually found this audio because this well, is we, from a we call. Well, we had to dig deep to get it. Well, yeah, this is from a call just a couple days ago, so you huh. have some really good spies out there. Generally, there's some kind of non-disclosure agreement with that kind of tech support call, I guess. Um, well, but I hope you that this found doesn't it. affect your future employment. You found it. So, I mean, Kylo Ren is going to hear this. He's going to be furious. He's definitely going to call my supervisor. Oh, geez. All right. Which well, is maybe... a Gungan. A Gungan. I have a Gungan supervisor at this job. Really? It's terrible. Maybe he'll. Maybe Kylo will be just so pleased that you helped him fix his light, little lightsaber problem uh, that he won't press charges or, or take it further for your for your manager. Yeah, because he's really known for being a rational, calm human being. Plus, I've been told that Gungans are very susceptible to uh, thought, uh, the power of suggestion. So that, you know, there might be things that you could do to sort of ease the tension there anyway with your boss if you bought him some fish or. Or fruits or something. I, I hear they like fruit. No, he told me. He said, the next time I screw up, Misa gonna be punished. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, keep us updated on how that develops, okay? I guess. You'll probably hear about it anyway. Well, you know, there is a lot to talk about in Star Wars uh, this week. And um, in terms of the development of Star Wars with uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, uh, there's been some news along with Ryan Johnson. So uh, a lot of fans were really upset uh, to hear that, that uh, you know, they're going to be doing the first film, uh, Benioff and, and Weiss. How, how do you feel about that, Deep? Benioff and Weiss. <laughs> Benny. Benny. Yeah. So it sounds like you're pretty ecstatic. The Rocket Man. Right. That's how I feel. I don't know why. I mean, I I was never a huge Game of Thrones fan anyway. I tried to watch the first episode, I think, like six times and fell asleep every time uh, before I finally watched the whole thing just because I needed something to occupy my mind before Rogue One came out because I was in a country that was getting it two, two weeks late. So that's the only reason I've seen Rogue One or I've seen uh, Game of Thrones at all is because of that. So nothing about it has ever captivated me. Um, I don't think it's bad. I think it's really well made. It's well written. Um, I just find it boring, you know, and very predictable. Yeah, it might not be as predictable as you think. Uh, so you've only watched two episodes? Is that what you said? No, it took me it took me six times to finish the first episode. I have uh-huh. since now watched everything up to the end except for the last two episodes. Except the last two. So right, I've, okay. I've seen everything except for the last two. And like I said, it just nothing about it really captivated my interest. Um, I don't think it's their fault. I think it's the content and the material they're working with. I think they're good writers. So when I heard that the first film that's going to come out after the Skywalker saga is concluded, in 2022 um i i don't i'm not dismayed you know i have high hopes i think that they have a lot of freedom here with what they can do and you know i the same fans who are complaining about ryan johnson still getting a star wars trilogy are now the ones who are complaining that it's uh you know uh weiss and benioff yeah i i think that you make a good point as far as 
the you know tabula rasa they can do whatever they pretty much want they don't have to work within the confines of george r or martin they can make it their own but there's you're never going to please everybody i mean we get that i think the most important thing that they can do to keep things fresh is to be fresh is to come up with something that is not like anything that we've ever seen yet somehow adheres to what we expect in the star wars universe yeah yeah, if they can pull that off, then I think they'll they'll have a lot of fans. But if they don't, then people will say we're right to criticize them for being terrible writers. I I was a bit disappointed, only in the sense that I was curious to see what Ryan Johnson was going to do with a with the first film. Um, you know, I actually think he did a great job on the Last Jedi. I think it's a great movie. I just don't think it's maybe the Star Wars movie we are all hoping for. Um, and so. Mino, does this mean that uh, Johnson is not going to be doing his own trilogy? He's just going to be involved in this one in some way? Or are there going to be different trilogies that are going to be released? Do you have any idea? Well, it is Disney, and they are saturating the universe, no pun Mm -hmm. intended, or the galaxy, I should say, uh, with Star Wars content. So trilogies for everybody. You know, I'm actually expecting a call from my agent tomorrow to find out if i have been uh you know approved for a trilogy oh dear say it say it's not so that would be a horrible universe that i would not want to live in a teeb centric universe written by <laughs> teeb the master the master storyteller with teeb ronter at the helm of star wars i mean everything would just basically be twilight dancers uh you know for two hours it would not be rated pg-13 it would be <laughs> hard r Oh, dear. We've been waiting for a hard R in Star Wars for a long time. We may get one. I mean, if they do, if if, uh, if Benioff and Weiss do this sort of Game of Thrones style, I think they would be the perfect candidates to start off the kind of um, ancient history of Star Wars, like the, even pre-Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, I've been advocating on this podcast for over a year now that they don't do Knights of the Old Republic, but they actually do something that precedes that. That is an era that we literally know nothing about. I mean, I don't think there's any property in Star Wars that it's ever explored much to that well are you talking about like cavemen like they're walking around with rocks and sticks and stuff yeah yeah you know the the universe is populated with uh with um kawaki and monkey lizards and basically the struggle is against them uh they have to you know figure out how to decapitate them use them for food dry and smoke the meat until they build up their brains enough to be able to develop uh, such force powers and uh the use of blasters and lightsabers as long as there's Twi'leks in it, I'll watch they it. They can call it the Kowakian Monkey Lizard uh, Purge. Yeah, like where they're flinging their poop. That's that a great only, addition. I like defense? that, yeah. I mean, their poodoo. Their poodoo. Well, they had to start somewhere, and, and the origin of Star Wars uh, Deficit is a story that has been left untold uh, for far too long. So I'm looking to see what uh, what Benioff and Weiss do with that theme. I mean, they, they could. As long as there's dragons and Twi'leks, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You know, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Keep telling yourself that. So, right. Well, I'm sure we'll have more to comment as as the as the fake leaks roll in here in the coming weeks. Um, of course, Lucasfilm and uh, Disney probably don't want to reveal too much until Rise of Skywalker because they don't want to take the wind out of the marketing sales. Uh, uh, 
you know, the CEO of Disney, Bob, uh, what's his name? Bob, uh, Igor, Bob Igor. I just always want to call him Bob Igor. Uh, cause I think he does have actually scoliosis. So he's developing a bit of a hunchback. Um, you know, when Bob Igor came forward, he, he, he literally said, the, uh, Benioff and Weiss are doing the first Star Wars film and we're not talking about anything else. So, I mean, that that just proves to me right then that they know this is going to be controversial. Uh, they don't want to have, you know, this spill into harming the property for, for Rise of Skywalker. And, um, you know, the, the future doesn't look bright, uh, as, as, as it were, for the next few Star Wars movies. Do you think that Disney would greenlight a rated R Star Wars movie? Not... Uh, I mean, it's a great question. I don't think they would do a trilogy like that. Um, you know, some people think, well, okay, here's a question. I mean, if you're going to do that, you, you really are not talking about a Star Wars movie. Um, you're talking about a spinoff, right? Uh, Star Wars is and always has been for, you know, 11, 12-year-old boys. That's really the target audience. And you don't want something like Deadpool um, you can't really go the comedy route, I don't think. Um, but, you know, Star Wars really is not too grotesque either. I mean, it does have some gruesome scenes like, uh, you know, Amperu and Uncle Owen burning uh, in their hovel. Um, a few monsters are a little gross, but nothing that would merit an R rating. And I think that if you go over the top with it, you lose that kind of uh, classic cowboy feel of Star Wars. So, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, the tone of Star Wars is integral to what the experience is. I don't want anything different. Um, anything different will result in a change.org petition. So uh, I'm not really looking forward to anything like that. So there's this movie called Army of Crime. And I think it's a French movie. It's originally La Mer de Crime. And uh, it's uh, this movie about the resistance in France against the Germans, against the Nazis. And it kind of starts off with this scene where one of the members of the resistance basically kills one of the other members of the resistance because he can't be trusted with secrets and they'll all die. So he like chokes him out. And this movie was not rated, so it didn't get like an R or anything like that. I don't know, maybe because it's French or something. I don't know. But foreign me, films typically are, you know, kind of come in and are uh, sometimes not rated. I don't know why. Yeah. It's kind of lazy if you ask me, but, um, well, they are one, French after all. I mean, yeah, All of that well, cheese and wine and sex it has an effect on you. So I hear. Uh, but basically what I'm trying to say is that Rogue One paralleled a lot of that movie to me. I was like, wow, this is a lot like uh, Army of Crime. I mean, there were people being executed. There were people being executed green on green well, violence. That's it. Yeah, that's just what I was thinking of, that scene with Cassian Endor in the beginning where he yes. executes that spy. Yes, and that's exactly like Army of Crime starts out, and I was like, wow, this is pretty dark, I, and I like it. I really like it, and I, I don't think that that is something that was made for children. Rogue One is not a children's movie. No, you're right. And so I kind of wonder how they escaped an R rating a little bit. Uh, so I think they're right on that edge, so I think it would be interesting to see if there would be somebody with the the uh, blue balls to uh, – yeah. I think we were talking R, you know, with Star Wars. I mean, the things that give you an R, there's basically three things, right? One is yeah. kind of horrific imagery. Um, I mean, things that are just beyond the pale. So, for example, right. a picture of you, uh, you know, with your shirt off, that would get you an R rating. 
Um, you know, uh, the other thing would be language. So dropping a lot of f bombs, a lot of a lot of you know bs's, a lot of that kind of stuff will definitely get you an R. I think you get one f word for a PG thirteen. If you go yes. to two, then you're an R. Um, yeah. You're not going to hear the F word in Star Wars. You're that, never going to see. That's what I was going to say. You're never going to hear. It's like uh, frack in uh, Battlestar Galactica. You know, right? I love that because they can get away with saying frack all they want. Or like in uh, uh, Serenity, uh, Firefly, they use Chinese whenever so, they want to cuss. Oh, okay, right. So they swear, yeah. So well, it's it's sort of like the league, you know, where they talk about uh, this guy's a frittata instead of saying the R word, you know, that kind of thing. Well, so you're not going to get it through language. Which, which leaves only sex or horrific imagery. Now, if you had to choose one as being that source for the R rating in Star Wars film, would you rather see Jabba the Hutt uh, mating with another Hutt to get you that R rating, or would you prefer some really gruesome, horrific uh, death scene? You know what I'm going to say. I'm always for the TNA, especially the Twi'leks. But I don't want to see the. I don't want to see any Huts doing it. Nobody so, wants to see that. Yeah, I mean, so how graphic would it have to be to get an R rating if they did have Hut intercourse in that the R-rated film that Benioff and Weiss do? I mean, they are known for a lot of sex in in uh, Game of Thrones, so it seems natural fit. Maybe if Natalie Dormer played one of the Hut, like I could imagine her voice, I could close my eyes maybe. There you go, okay. Yeah, well, anyway, um, so we all look forward with bated breath, and, uh, you know, it sounds like, Benioff and Weiss are coming, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Teeb, it's time for our main topic, which we're going to be discussing today, which is Star Wars weaponry and technology. Um, so, yeah. I'm so excited. I have been waiting the whole episode to discuss this. Let's yeah, get into it. I know, right? And so weaponry and technology in Star Wars exists. So, all right. Well, that's about all we have time for. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, uh, you know, this is uh, this has been a great episode, T. But that's about all we have time for. Well, it kind of turned into the Benioff and Weiss episode. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll give them the weapons and technology next time. Right, right. Okay. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, you know, we we did have a lot of stories come up here uh, right when we were getting ready to to uh, record this episode about uh, Benioff and Weiss. So it has become a little bit of an amalgamation. But we do want to discuss you know this issue of technology, and actually, it is timely. I mean, with with the the new films coming out, uh, especially if they do adopt this kind of Knights of the Old Republic prehistory. To Star Wars because um, you know a lot of fans have done videos about how one of the things that was lacking sorely in the prequels was this idea of development of technology. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video. I think it's by the same guy who does uh, the Steel Wars podcast, maybe. But it talks about how the way they should have developed the prequels was with the idea that blasters did not exist at the time. Um, And that's why Jedi and lightsabers were so powerful, because there was no other real way of killing uh, Jedi. But then when blasters came to the fore, then this was really part of the Clone Wars. And so I would like to see uh, technology and development being used as a plot device in these new Star Wars films. Um, You know, in terms of the tech and weaponry uh, in the new film, I thought that uh, it was developed well. Starkiller Base was a really cool innovation. Um, Of course, it was a little bit related to the uh, Death Star, but um, I guess I've always had a problem with Starkiller Base, and that was this. I never truly understood what it was doing. Uh, Do you have any info on this, Teeb? Can you help our listeners out? I mean, uh, for some of us, you know, it was a bit of an enigma. 
Well, Starkiller Base is actually solar powered. Okay. Well, so, so it's green it uses energy. the power of the sun, so it's very green. It's green technology, green weapon weaponry. So, so we should actually be uh, trying to build more Starkiller bases. Yeah, I mean, it does get rid of a population over um, overload problem. Uh, you know, population explosion. Uh, you know. But what happens like when the sun is drained? How does it replenish? I mean, there's there's no more stars, so does it does it move in the galaxy? What what happens? I've kind of uh, from you know my my very limited understanding of the Star Killer base because I don't have the Haynes manuals for it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think that it can move, but it moves even slower than the Death Star. You remember the Death Star was able to move. Remember sure. it was moving into position. And, um, and they, because there was a range to the weapon, right? I mean, it couldn't shoot across the entire galaxy. They actually had to move the Death Star to get Yavin in range. That's why it was so critical that they blew it up when they did. Correct. So I think with Starkiller Base, because it's solar-powered, it moves even slower because solar power is pretty much garbage. Solar power sucks, yeah. Like, if you ever have a solar-powered car, you might be able to go 20 miles an hour for five minutes. But I think <laughs> until recently, the uh, Faka meter itself was actually solar-powered, but we've had it upgraded. What does it run on now? Uh, well, ah, it actually ah, 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 changed. It, we, we, cla- we, ah, 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 it's classified. Oh, well, part of it, I will say, part of it is operated uh, on change.org uh, uh, petitions that we we burn in sort of like a little bit of a coal coal fire stove. We digitally burn them? No, we physically burn them, and we have we have a group of Russian trolls that are constantly shoveling, uh, you know, uh, petitions made by by super fans into this coal fire. Is it just Star Wars petitions, or is it all the other ridiculous? petitions? You have that no are? idea how many there are. We have entire warehouses full of them. It sounds to me like you're not doing a really good job managing those Russian trolls if you don't know basic information. So um, anyway, so Death Star, uh, Star Killer Base, both pretty cool weapons. Um, you know, there's a lot of different blasters in Star Wars. Uh, one thing that I always uh, wondered about on, on, that we didn't really get much into it until the prequels was Boba Fett's uh, jetpack slash rocket launcher. Um, if you're familiar with the development of the toys that went aw- along with it, uh, the very first uh, figure of Boba Fett actually had a rocket that, sh- that shot out with a spring. But it was very quickly um, pulled off the market because it was considered um, a choking hazard. And so that's not be... true. It was actually because it was a legitimate missile, and it was a missile weapon, and right. uh, it was it needed to be registered in the UK. Oh, so is that right? Was, oh, okay. Yeah, and and Kenner ran into problems when they were doing distribution in the UK, and they said, "Well, America is a lot, you know, more free and with their, um, you know, their weapons laws." But by that point, they had already kind of kowtowed to the the UK pressure, and they mm-hmm. were just like, "Ah, the hell with it. We'll just we'll just keep it." Lame. So that that is the actual story behind why Boba Fett. So it's kind of uh, like lame. it's kind of like when you go to elementary school and and you can't have Reese's peanut butter cups because there's one kid at the school who will die if he smells peanuts. Yeah, it, it's it, it kind of. I mean, did anybody actually die? Well, I actually, know. I sold Reese's peanut butter cups at my school uh, for charity for several years, and and yeah, every semester somebody would end up dying, and I would have to hide my Reese's peanut butter cups in my pants. To uh, to avoid suspicion, but it's all for charity, so it's for a good cause. Yes. So anyway, um, 
the the uh, Boba Fett missile thing uh, triggered this idea in me. I didn't I didn't actually realize that it was a, a jetpack until uh, we saw Jango Fett in the Clone Wars use it like that. Because um, it actually had two parts. So it had the missile that it could shoot out and blow things up, but it also had the jetpack component so he could fly around. Is all Mandalorian armor, do you think, built that way, or was that just something customized for Boba Fett? I think that the Kamino Weapons Masters helped him make that. I see. So interesting with the Mandalorian coming up, I have seen the designs uh, for the Mandalorian, but because when we were at celebration, we were so busy recording the podcast. I didn't get a great look at the clip that they showed. Did uh, the Mandalorian played um, played by, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, The guy from Game of Thrones. What's his name? He's from Game of Thrones. Pedro, uh, Pedro, somebody. Oh, I should know. Sure. It's Pedro it's Escobar. Pedro Escobar. Sure, well, he not? doesn't know. He doesn't play uh, Paulo Escobar. Um, it's a. Uh, oh, what is it? Pedro Cervantes. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Pascal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when when I was watching the clip uh, from Celebration, uh, you know, we we're so busy, um, but I, I don't remember seeing if Pedro Pascal's character, the Mandalorian, actually has a jetpack or not. Do you know? I don't know, but I would like to say that if you've ever played Disney Infinity, there's uh, Star Wars uh, modules that you can play, and you have to battle Mandalorians, and they definitely have jetpacks. They right. fly around. They're in red armor. They don't look anything like necessarily like Boba Fett, but they have um, red armor, and they have the jetpacks and the, the rocket well, uh, now you know, I, I had a suspicion that he didn't have at least the rocket component, and now I've actually pulled up an image. Um, you know that cool gun that he has, which actually date back, dates back to the Star Wars uh, holiday special during the cartoon where Boba Fett is first initially introduced to us. Um, he he is wearing it behind his back, and I don't think it would work if he had a jetpack based on the way he's wearing it, kind of around his shoulder. So that mm-hmm. might be a development that he gets. Um, but, uh, you know, Pretty pretty cool look, in spite of the fact that he does not have a jetpack. Um, another thing about the Mandalorian, it's speaking of weapons and technology. Uh, how about IG uh, eleven? I think it's IG eleven or IG twenty two actually in the Mandalorian. Um, that spin move that he uses with his guns. Yeah, I've mentioned this before. It's kind of like uh, the Death Blossom to me. Mm-hmm, if you're if mm-hmm. you're familiar with uh, the Last Starfighter, uh, where he does, he basically just kind of. If you don't care who you kill, you can just pretty much turn and burn and just, you know, he can literally do that. He can spin himself around and just blast and kill anything in that, you know, arc. So he doesn't care. Right. I guess yeah. he's a droid. I, I mean, the droids I'm imagining have in that parts. scene he's kind of penned in where he does like a 360 whirl. It reminded me of like Short Circuit when he goes uh, in the second uh, Short Circuit film when he grabs the two thieves and spins them around, uh, you know, and he says, please allow me to demonstrate the laws of centrifugal force. Um, so maybe we'll get another science lesson from IG to boot uh, in terms of in addition to him shooting the place up to hell. I, I need to know, like, who he's shooting. Are they bad guys? Are they good guys? Is he a bounty hunter or is he just like, what is IG? Incinegration? Incinegration? Is that a word? No. Incinerator? Is he just incinerator? Incinerator. What does IG stand for? That's a good question for our, our fans. All. Three million of them. So, um, so we got blasters. You know, a lot of a lot of cool technology with blasters in Star Wars. And um, well, one thing we really haven't talked about is the elephant in the room, which is lightsabers. 
And... Well, I wanted to, I wanted to I wanted to go back on something that you said earlier though about the evolution of weapons and the evolution. Of course. Uh, I think what bought what what was problematic was the fact that only like about twenty years has passed since the time Luke meets Obi Wan and the time that Darth Vader uh, rises to power. Right. Yeah. So, you can't have blasters all of a sudden be this brand new thing that gets invented in that 20 year time frame because it, it just wouldn't be very realistic. I guess I that's true. I mean, yeah, but it, I know it would have been too fast. I, I, when I was a kid watching it the first time, I was like, oh, cool, like swords and stuff. And now, you know, there's more uh, technology and whatnot because it was like, like you said, blasters, we, we had a more civilized weapon for a more civilized time, like mentioning that they didn't have blasters. And I think that's why they made him have that throwaway line where he's like so uncivilized when he kills uh grievous, you know, of course. So, but yeah, I mean, guns have been around in our world since the 1600s or the, the 600, I don't know, going back to the Chinese invented gunpowder. So, right. I mean, you, you'd have to, it's just not interesting enough to, to warrant, well, and it's that. the same in Star Wars. You know, if you think about it, I mean, the uh, Newt Gunray and um, and his henchmen. Uh, you know, that is the same kind of thing as the Chinese inventing the the robot. Uh, the robots actually shooting guns. So, right. I, yeah. So I guess art art mirrors that. reality in that way. I think. But I, I mean, when you talk about the technology, one of the funny things for me has always been like, uh, whatever happened to the Deca droids? Those things are badass. Oh, those um, uh, droidicas. You mean? Yeah, the ones that generate their own shields. Yeah, I had one. Um, I had one. It was like this. Mo- it w- it was really cool. It would uh, <clears throat> curl up in a ball. Yeah. And if you walked by it, it would open up and go and blast you. And I would like hide it different places when I was uh, over in Norway. And oh, I uh, bet your cats loved that. I mean, did it also uh, vacuum your rug like a Roomba? No, that would have been great, though. I had a, a Gungan that did that for me, an actual oh, well. Gungan, a live one. I get you when you're talking about development there. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe it's not that they developed blasters, but um, I would like to understand a little bit more about the lightsaber technology, not being a student of the uh, Expanded Universe novels where I know they get into it in greater detail. Um, something that was sort of smuggled in, uh, to Star Wars in Revenge of the Sith, I believe, was those robotic henchmen that uh, accompanied General Grievous on board his ship that had a weapon that was able to repel lightsabers. And um, for some reason, J.J. Abrams decided to build that into the narrative of Force Awakens, and we also saw it in the throne room sequence um, with uh, Supreme Leader Snoke's uh, defenders there. So there is technology that we see that somehow has a lightsaber-esque essence, but not the full power of the lightsaber. Uh, what do you think about that as a as a development in Star Wars technology? I believe those are either called stun sticks or shock sticks. And what they're developed to do is actually take out Jedi. Because what it does is it disrupts the Jedi's balance of the Force. Uh, it, it stuns you. Right. And so you, 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 know, get, you get discombobulated and you can't get all your metachlorians to align. And mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not even making that as a joke. That's true. What happens wow. is you get stunned and you can't react. And if you've ever played any, any games, any first-person shooters, MMORPGs, anything like that, you know the most devastating thing that a bad guy can use against you is stun. 
Because you're like, just sitting there going, ah, it's like a taser. Help me, right? I can't do anything. Exactly. Yeah. So those are actually designed. Uh, those troops are actually. You can look this up. I believe they're actually called Jedi stun sticks. Well, I don't. I never liked the idea of having a weapon. To me, it robs the lightsaber of sort of its uniqueness and power to have a weapon that can actually kind of impede it in any way, other than a lightsaber. Um, uh, I, I see what you're a, saying. So to yeah. like have it like where it squares off against it, like you know, blade the blade, so to speak. For you don't me, think, it you think it should just go right through it. You know, it makes it into just some other weapon, and that's not what it is. It's a it's a magical, mythical weapon, and and so I never like the addition of these other things. Even though I mean, to me, it's a bit more sci-fi than fantasy now, right? When you have these other weapons, so there's more rules. It just gets a little bit more messy. Well, the first time that Luke said laser sword, I cringed and my little geek heart broke, you know? It's like it's to to equate it to like you just said, sci-fi instead of mystical. I always thought it was a sci-fi thing until I started playing Knights of the Old Republic and some of these other games where I learned about the kyber crystals and that it's actually a focus of the force. Right. So to call it a laser sword is actually very incorrect. It's mm. not a laser sword. It's a kyber crystal focus weapon. And if, yeah. so if, well, if somebody like Finn just picked up the thing and tried to activate it, it wouldn't activate because he doesn't really? have the force. Well, okay. But then how do you explain Han Solo activating Luke Skywalker's lightsaber in Empire Strikes Back? See that? I'm not sure that works either. It, do, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. So huh. what we're being told in the, the, the legend, I guess, of the lightsaber and, and when you create your own lightsaber, it's a, it's a focus weapon of kyber crystals. So my understanding is that the kyber crystal is something that you can use to extend the power of the force. It's not really a laser blade, but I'm, I'm getting conflicting so messages. Maybe it's like you just said, that's so technical that like you have to use the force to harness the kyber crystal to build the lightsaber. But then once you have it, then it's sort of like default. It works. Then any idiot can pick it up. I guess I mean General Grievous definitely wields them as well when he kills well, the Jedi. Let's use that and takes as their, their model. But I mean, so so I think the story goes that like um, this is why like the Kyber crystals bleed. I guess which is why the Sith, um, you know, they had the red lightsabers. But then I think that was uh, re, you know kind of deleted from uh, from the canon, and now the new story is that somehow the Sith and the evil uh, dark side users have this artificial Kyber crystal, and that can only be red, and so. There's something related to the dark side and the light side with the crystals and the colors of the blades. I mean, that's undeniable. Yeah, I think that's kind of dumb, though, to say that the bad guys can only have red. Hmm. Well, what would you give them? I mean, a rainbow saber? That's not bad. That's like those uh, old sucker pops, right? Right, yeah. You know, I don't taste, know. I don't know taste the rainbow <laughs> of my saber. Yeah, my Skittles saber. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. So, so uh, if you could choose one uh, piece of tech or or weaponry from the Star Wars universe, aside from lightsabers, of course, that you would like to see in the real world, uh, Teeb, which one would it be? Okay, non weapon related, I would say the um, the uh, gravity. Uh, I don't know what you call it, but you know how when they're lifting heavy objects. Uh huh. They they put them on the side of the objects and they can kind of make them. Float. Oh yeah, like when they float uh, Han Solo through the halls of uh, yes. Bespin. 
Yeah, the Cloud City uh, scene there. That's cool. Yeah, for me, so non non weaponry, I would probably pick just like the simple holographic technology that the R two units seem to have uh, for messaging. Um, we already it's have it's kind of like FaceTime 2.0. Uh, so they took the idea of like the Animoji and they really expanded it in Star Wars. But we already have that technology. No, not not on that level, do we? Not on the personal use level, but the military has it for sure. Really? Wow. So this is something you've been holding out on us. Why are we not broadcasting this podcast in three di- three dimensions? Uh, because it would blow out their heads. I don't know. Cost prohibitive, <laughs> I guess. And nobody wants to see all sides of my helmet because the you know the dark side the dark side of uh, the helmet you know uh, never seen the light of day. So yeah, but if we're going back to now weapons that I'd like to have, um, I would definitely like to have Han Solo's blaster. Classic design. Classic design. Could you could you imagine a world in which another person sh- uses Han's blaster? Um, I mean, I guess it it went down with the ship, as it were, in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens when uh, Starkiller base blew up. I'm assuming that the blaster also was destroyed. Well, when you realize the blaster was just really a rifle that was modified by uh, yeah, Tobias Beckett, yeah, that guy, uh, Woody Harrelson, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's just kind of like, here, give me this, and I'll give me that, and there you go. Now you got a blaster, <laughs> you know? It's right, like, right. Oh, I guess any idiot could have one of those. It's more of a personal thing. I just like it. It's badass looking. It's I like how he wears it low on his on his uh, hip. He's got it to where he can basically just, and it's ready to go. And I, I personally, um, you know, uh, favor that that mentality. I think everybody should be able to have a Han Solo blaster everywhere they go. Open carry or conceal carry for Han Solo blasters? Open carry. That's what I'm saying. Like, everybody's strapped. Everybody's got a Han Solo blaster. They could make it it a federal law that you have to carry a blaster on your hip. And if you don't, then you get sent to detention block AA-24. Yeah, I mean, mean, there'd have to be, like, limits for kids and stuff. You wouldn't want kids walking around, like, like, blasters. But, I mean... Yeah, you know, an armed society is a polite society. Just ask Han Solo. See, a lot of people talk about how to make the world a safer place, and I think that the solution is not less laser blasters, but actually to arm all of reality uh, so that it can be shot by an automated laser. So no matter where you go, uh, you have the risk of being completely vaporized and annihilated by a laser if you break any of the emperor's galactic laws. So, I mean, that way we'll be completely safe because nobody's going to try to do anything bad. Like Watchmen. Yeah, basically. So, um, I, I, I don't hate it. So, so for me, I would say in terms of weaponry, uh, the one that I would go with, I actually think that the blowgun that Django Fett used uh, to to dispatch um, the bounty hunter uh, with a poison dart was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I guess he shot it with a gun, but uh, we don't see a lot of that kind of technology in Star Wars. Uh, you know, non non laser lethal uh, weaponry. Um, and it might be something that we could see more of in future films where maybe we have some kind of tribal cultures and they're using blowguns where they harness the poison off of the backs of, you know, a Dianoga or something like that. Um, that, that could be an interesting thing to explore. Yeah, kind of like high-tech, low-tech. I see what you're saying. 
I mean, Star Wars always needs to have that blend of future, right? I mean, there's even that song, right? Uh, I think it's like from the bad lip reading people. And I think it goes something like, even though it looks like it's the future, it's really a long, long time ago. And, and that's the essence of Star Wars tech and how you have to build it into the universe. Well, it's a space tour. Western is really what it is. So that's why I'm really excited to see the Mandalorian because they're going to go like full on space Western. Full on cowboy baby, you know they could even have a scene um, where one of the one of the Mandalorians or bounty hunters has to ride a dewback, kind of like at the rodeo. That would be amazing. As long as it's real special effect, you know, um, not none of this uh, CGI crap. So they grab a bull and they put a dewback costume on it. Is that what you're suggesting, Teeb? No, I'm saying actually genetically create a dewback. Ah, okay. Well, that's much more reasonable. So great. Well, uh, if you have more comments about Star Wars weaponry or armor or uh, any kind of tech that you would like us to discuss in future episodes, please let us know on Twitter. Um, but I thought this was a fairly explosive uh, commentary, Teep. Faking Star Wars listener mail. We had a question uh, from Dr. Flapjack on Twitter. And his question was, what is the best color of lightsaber laser sword? Blue, green, red, purple, white, black, yellow, orange. And he said, I like orange. And so I did promise him that I would tell him on this episode. So I didn't want to I didn't want to miss out uh, and not tell him. It's yeah. actually black. OK, I black is my favorite color. And I, I don't ascribe to the people that say, uh, you know, black isn't a color and all this other stuff. Uh, it is a color. And it's a beautiful color, and I like it. And I first saw one of the laser swords uh, watching Star Wars Rebels. One of uh, the Mandalorians had this black kind of jagged uh, lightsaber-looking thing that I consider a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So that's I've never seen a black, you know, slick, normal-looking lightsaber, but I would really like to see that. I think it might be kind of technically difficult to portray on screen that's probably why you don't see that but i think black is a slick uh would look really cool yeah i mean there's ways of doing it but i think yeah i mean it would it would cease to be a lightsaber and become a different kind of a weapon um i think if they'd used if it was something like a black hole that sort of sucked light into it you know and it gave it kind of a surreal look i mean that could work um but i don't think as a lightsaber in itself black is really an option um i think the whole thing about lightsabers is that they glow and they illuminate what's around them however i mean that would be an interesting thing to do a weapon that is black like in that way um i just don't think it's going to be a lightsaber well like i said they did it in star wars rebels they it it's kind of got a jagged look to it and the edges are white obviously to contrast the black but, I mean, going back to what we were talking about with the kyber crystals, are you saying there's no black kyber crystals? That seems a little, uh, you know, I don't want to go there, but you know, are you trying to say that there's no black kyber crystals? Um, I'm not saying anything about black kyber crystals mattering in Star Wars. I'm just saying that I don't think that they would be good choice for a lightsaber. I mean, you know, I, I, I fully support the rights of all kyber crystals to be any color that they want, but... Um, I just, I'm not sure that they're, I'm not saying whether I like it or not even. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think we're ever going to see a black lightsaber on screen. Now, now, um, my favorite lightsaber color that they haven't done, um, I think is probably yellow, uh, just because, 
Um, I think that would look cool on screen, um, like a kind of golden yellow color. But uh, there aren't really that many options that contrast, right? I mean, blue and green are mm. already pretty similar. Red, of course, is a contrast. But then they went ahead and went with purple first. Now, so you've got those blue, green, purple colors with a big spectrum. It has to be something that really contrasts. Orange they can't do, I don't think, because it's too close to red. Um, so that doesn't leave them a lot of options for more colors of lightsabers, actually. Hmm. I haven't seen an orange saber either, though. But that was interesting that he said that's his favorite because I've never seen one. So I, I mean, thought, I thought somebody in Rebels had an orange saber. I I can't remember um, who it is. It always seems like it's the animated ones that have the coolest colors. <laughs> well, yeah, because they can break a lot of rules. Like yeah, nobody cares yeah. about animation if they do that wrong, right? Right. Um, it's easier for them uh, to kind of fix. Yeah. But anyway, movie magic. Okay, well, sadly, um, T, we can't speculate anymore about Benioff and Weiss um, or how they may impact the world of Star Wars technology if they do an earlier series before the Knights of the Old Republic, um, or we can't list any more of our favorite things from the Star Wars universe. I'm sorry. Yeah, so tell the listeners where they can find us. Well, you can actually follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at Faking Star Wars and on Facebook at Real Faking Star Wars. Cool. And if you want to submit a question for us on Twitter, like many of you love to do, just please use the hashtag FSWRadio, and we'll read it on the next episode. Um, by the way, you can still get a lot of fantastic uh, Faking Star Wars t-shirts uh, on teepublic.com slash user slash Faking Star Wars. That's teepublic, teepublic.com slash user slash Faking Star Wars. Um, I myself, Teeb, have purchased at least... 20 t-shirts in the last week in the last week oh man you, you're a rookie i have about 100 really wow that's great maybe you could uh you post some uh pictures on our instagram modeling them for some of our adoring female fans uh maybe i might be persuaded to do something like that cool well if you'd like you can follow me on twitter at storm duper um and you can follow teeb well, you can follow me again at T Brontor, T E E B R O N T R. That's T E E B R O N T R. You may Twitter. have to uh, you may have to pay a social media guru to run your Twitter feed. You're going to be deluged with requests if you do actually do that modeling gig that I mentioned earlier. Um, you have abs of steel. So, oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, you can also follow FSW Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And we want your support. This is a you know a group effort here, everybody. So um, please go, get on patreon.com slash fakingstarwars. We need you to sign up to become a patron. It is critical that you support us now getting into the hot summer months because the air conditioner bills are really skyrocketing. Um, and we just, are, we just need you to pledge even as little as a dollar. Uh, and this helps make the content uh, better that you love. Um, and you'll get a reward as well. So, you know, it starts as a buck a month. We'd love to see people join at the higher levels, too. It'll help us to do, start developing and producing some more content that we have in the pipeline. Yeah, and don't forget, you can also be like Darth Taxus, and he's actually uh, joined us at the Fake Jedi Knight tier. Mm-hmm. Have you written a review yet? Uh, we'd love to get a five-star review from you on iTunes or Stitcher, if you use that as your podcast platform of choice, or anything else. If you do post uh, a review, if it's funny, send it to us on Twitter, and we'll read it on an upcoming episode. I might even send you a little Star Wars gift as a uh, way of saying thanks. But it as, better be funny. 
well, it has to be funny or stupid or profoundly, uh, profoundly uh, insightful, I guess. Yeah. So keep it tuned to FakingStarWars.net for your daily dose of Star Wars comedy, uh, parody, and also satire. Um, thanks to all of our followers for listening, and may the foe be with you. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If not, uh, contact our attorneys. There you go. All right.